Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! Ay 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 ay! It's the Ranger Command Power Hour! Today on the Power Hour Extra Episode 79, Rangers Talk Fandom Entitlement, recorded on September 18th, 2021. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Sun Ranger up with your hosts. I'm Eric, also known as Trekkie B47. I'm AP, also known as Secret Ranger Fan. I'm Zach, also known as Hollywood. And hey, I'm Doug, also known as Icky Bully. This episode is brought to you by our patrons on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more about supporting Ranger Command Power Hour. Thanks to our $5 and above patrons, Chris P., Steve F., Ethan S., AJW, Eric D., Jacob P., Steve M., Steve R., Charlie N., Tyler B., Tyler W., Jason O., Craig H., Craig M., Liz M., Mason M., Kevin R., Hassan A., Bo H., Leland D., Josh P., Derek G., and Teresa B. for supporting us this month. Remember, you can go to linktr.ee slash rangercommandph for all the links to support and all about Ranger Command Power Hour, as well as our Amazon affiliate at amazon.com slash shop slash ranger command ph which i really need to update <laughs> hey everyone hey. <laughs> so uh we've got doug with us hi i'm just so excited you all brought me on to talk about the new season of survivor i'm so pumped it's been uh. over a year <laughs> uh, and i'm glad you're excited <laughs> Well, we do have Doug because he <laughs> he comes out of his fandom attic every yeah. once in a while for uh, for either a Survivor episode or uh, for something that important that we're talking yeah. about. So, welcome, Doug. Thank you so much. Uh, but before we get into the main meat and potatoes of this episode, uh, we do have some news items after Power Month, which was in August. So a couple days before Power Rangers Day and after we recorded our last episode, uh, we actually put up a, a a second guest editorial, but the first written by Josh Moore at Kentucky Jam. The article is called Power Rangers on YouTube it might not be working for you, but it is for Hasbro. And this was his analysis over the Hasbro transition, taking the majority of the Power Rangers shows on Netflix off of Netflix and uh, moving seasons, full seasons over to YouTube. And he actually reached out to some PR people over at Hasbro. So we do have some official quotes from Hasbro on that one. So definitely check that article out if you have a chance. It's really great. It is. Yeah, he did a really good job on it. Next up... Power Rangers Battle for the Grid Season 4 is announced. I'm so hyped for this. Yeah, this is amazing. So, three brand new characters from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and Power Rangers Dino Charge. So, starting September 21st, Season 4 can be purchased for $15, or the characters can be purchased individually for $5.99 each. First one releasing on September 21st is... Adam Park as Ninja Ranger form Black Ranger. 
and voiced by Johnny Young Bosch. He comes back. It doesn't get much better than that. Ooh. That's amazing. And I love like watching the gameplay trailer, watching his move set. He looks absolutely nuts, and I love it. I can't wait to play as Adam in his Black Frog Ninjetti costume. It looks so good. And I feel like this was an obvious tie-in with the Ninjetti Lightning Collection figures coming out. As soon as I saw the trailer, I was like, wait, that's that's Johnny on Bosch. Mm-hmm. Like, he's coming back. Yeah. (laughs) It seems like it would have been like an absurd thing not to have him come back, but you just never know. So I was like really excited to hear his voice. Yeah, me too, for sure. But also coming out with the bundle on September 21st is, and I'm excited for this, the helmetless doggy Anubis Kruger skin. Yeah. So this is him in his uh, regular commander outfit and they nailed it. It looks great. It's so detailed. <laughs> yeah. It looks really good. So he's not officially part. I mean, he's part of this season pass, but he's not part of the main three characters that are being teased. But Anubis Kruger skin is exclusive to the bundle. So you will not be able to purchase this separately. Poissandra is releasing in November. And to say that <laughs> Teresa was over the moon for this announcement <laughs> is an understatement. When that was revealed during the trailer, I could have sworn that I heard her like excited <laughs> squeeing from all the way down here in Florida. <laughs> it's so great. She's such a fun character in Dino Charge. And I feel like this game is actually doing a great job of giving us a nice balance of female rangers and villains because we had scorpina in the last pack yeah Yeah. i love to see a newer season i think poissandra is a is a great addition and queen of evil herself rita repulsa she is in the game as well and it's awesome just to have lord zed and rita on the same team if you're building out like a villains team like you can do a classic villains team lord zed rita goldar and, and yeah. like, yeah, we didn't get any gameplay for Rita, which we won't get yet for some time. But yeah, I'm excited. I mean, come on. Rita is a is a fan character that's like a, fans have been requesting to put Rita in the game since basically the game's inception. So, yeah, absolutely. And uh, like Zed, she also has a staff weapon. So, you know, I, I think her moveset will be similar to Zed's just in the fact that you know, he has some longer range attacks with his staff. So I think Rita will kind of be in the same vein. There's also a new summon for a Megazord and they're bringing the Grave Zord from the comics. How did I miss that part? (laughs) (laughs) Because it's on the bottom of the article and they they really didn't uh, tease it in in the trailer. Sounds like they buried the lead, huh, Doug? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So, as mentioned by the press release, Gravesword first appeared in Saban's Go-Go Power Rangers number nine, which feels like a lifetime ago. (laughs) Um, Cobbled together from the damaged and destroyed Zords from the world of the Coinless, a dimension ravaged by Ranger Slayer and Lord Draken, where surviving Rangers hold out with the aid of their power coins. This will be a free download for all players. That's incredible. Really cool stuff. I'm yeah. The trailer is uh, up on our page. We've got press images for all of these, and you can check that out in the show notes. Speaking of the comics, Mighty Morphin Eleven and Power Rangers Eleven are out 
right now. You can read our spoiler-free reviews on our site as well as get pictures of all of the preview pages as well as the covers. So a lot of things happening. I'm not going to spoil anything on the podcast, but yeah, there is a a lot going on in both of these issues. Uh, After last month's milestone 10 issues things are are really heating up this month so definitely check those out and i'm really not going to talk about the major major spoilers <laughs> in the solicitations uh but we also if you do want to be spoiled for the covers uh we do have the solicitations that boom studio sent us for the comics coming out in december and that is both mighty morphin 14 and power rangers 14 Huge major spoilers on those covers, so uh, if you want to be spoiled, go right ahead, but it's all on our site. And there is one mention, so Ryan Parrott did say on Twitter, I understand covers and solicitations are part of the game, but if you want to get the most out of the Eltarian War, which is uh, the next arc of the comics after Unlimited Power, you might want to skip them for a few months, just saying. So a little heads up from Ryan. Ryan, we love you and we love having you on the show, but you know, I'm I also have to release the press releases that Boom sends me. So. <laughs> um but yeah, we, we whenever we put these on our site, we do a read more so people aren't spoiled if they go to the front page of our site. Yeah. Uh we've always done that for these. So um if you want to be spoiled, definitely check those out. So just ignore any news stories about the comics coming out for the next few months. Check. (laughs) Right. right. And in Dino Fury and TV show news, Power Rangers Dino Fury is back on Nickelodeon. We are recording this on Saturday the 18th, which is the day that Dino Fury is back on Nickelodeon. Uh, Starting September 18th with episode nine cut off episodes nine through 11 are actually all on Netflix. We actually reviewed episodes 9 through 11 on Extra Episode 77. So we will not be doing our new episode reviews until they start airing here in the U.S. For those that are trying to avoid Dino Fury spoilers, just mute the hashtag Dino Fury spoilers on Twitter because not only is France... Ahead of the game, I think they're up to episode 15 or something, but the English spoilers are coming out because the UK just started airing the new episodes this week. So now there are English language spoilers out there for a lot of this stuff. And also, if you're going to talk about those new episodes, if you are in those countries that are airing the new episodes currently, please use the Dino Fury spoilers, Power Ranger spoilers hashtags, please. For the love of please. God, please use the spoiler tags. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's just a common courtesy for people who don't want to get spoiled on this. I, I know this is a landmark season for many reasons, which we'll get to in a bit. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on with Dino Fury, a lot of exciting things going on for the show. And yeah, some people just want to wait to view it on on their own time and when it airs in their country. It's fine if you like spoilers, just please be respectful of of those trying to be spoiler free so that they can watch it on their own time. Or even just use a regular like hashtag spoilers, if nothing else. Just something that people can filter out if they'd rather not be spoiled. I've started using, not to an extreme degree, uh, but I've started doing the like, show I'm talking about, period, 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 and then saying, because it at least gives like a little bit of space 
And you can kind mm-hmm. of like it, it stands out. You can kind of see like, oh, okay, this person's probably uh, trying to be courteous at the very least. Yeah, absolutely. It's always been our policy that we do our episode reviews after a chunk of them hit actual U.S. airing, just so we can catch everyone up. We still don't know if Netflix is going to bypass what Nickelodeon is doing or if Nickelodeon gets first view rights before Netflix drops the rest of them. I would assume that's the case. And we'll probably have a Netflix drop in probably the end of December or January. That's what I'm guessing. But yeah, we'll be talking about it after it airs on, on Nickelodeon. So look out for future extra episodes where we'll start reviewing the episodes again. Mm-hmm. But I did want to talk about... (laughs) But... (laughs) But we are going to talk about a very important milestone for Power Rangers, which is spoilers for episode 13 called The Matchmaker. And the only reason we're kind of like shifting our policy on this is because it is a very big historical moment for power rangers that i feel we do need to address now because i want to wait a couple months to talk about it and we've got doug here too and i want to get his reactions on it and i just want to talk about it because i think it's such a monumental occasion so if you don't want to be spoiled at all maybe fast forward the show 10 or 15 minutes or i'll include uh time stamps and yeah that's all i'll do i'll do time stamps so uh, look for those timestamps in our show notes if you do not want to be spoiled. So I, we can talk about this for however long we want. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why. What? However long? <laughs> that's, like, that's like when you realize as an adult you can order ice cream for dinner and no one's going to stop you. Like, we can do whatever we want. Exactly. <laughs> and then you do it and you realize, oh, someone should have stopped me. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so episode 13 is called... The Matchmaker. And I haven't seen the full episode. I've just seen some of the the English clips. Essentially, the episode is structured around Javi confusing that his sister likes someone where she actually likes someone else. And at the end of the episode, uh, you find out that her and Fern are together. And if you don't remember Fern, she was the runner in an earlier episode of Dino Fury that was her main competition. And apparently in in some of these newer episodes, like episode 12, um, they bring the character back to like reintroduce her as part of another plot line. And so they're continuing uh, some of those plot lines from episode 12. And this is just like the next evolution. And the, the scene is out there in English. It's and I watched all the clips that were out there. It's supernatural, not supernatural. I mean, it's really a natural moment. It's like not a big deal. It's well, it is a big deal. You know what I mean? They play it. So you mean there are not werewolves? There's no, (laughs) they're not werewolves. There's no werewolves. There's no vampires. Well, what am I even here for then? It's, it's a, it's a web snappers reference. I don't know. I'm going back to my guest appearance on Doug's podcast. (laughs) I do know what you mean, Eric. I have a lot of respect for the way that this has been handled and presented to us from a number of perspectives. I didn't even say what it was. So Izzy holds hands with Fern and they go off. Javi is happy. Everyone on the team is happy. They go off to get uh, some Japanese food, some ramen. 
and they just, they're holding hands and it's a beautiful moment. So Izzy is the first on television LGBT Power Ranger. And we've had LGBT Power Rangers in the comics, in the 2017 movie with Trini, Ari and Remy in the comics, literally Mighty Morphin issue 11, which came out this month, has a character who is either gay or bisexual, a male character, uh, Zag. He's part of the Sentry Force 4, which is part of Zofram's team. And he says, literally, he's like, oh, the Black Ranger's pretty cute, referring to Adam. And it's like, boom, there it is. And it's done natural way just to introduce that into the show. And now we get a full episode of the actual TV show addressing LGBT and I'm going to let others speak to how they feel about it, but I am super happy that this has finally happened after almost 30 years in Power Rangers. Yeah, I do understand what you mean as far as like it's incredibly natural and it's like not a big deal, but it is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's because I have a lot of respect for the way that they sort of presented this and have presented also, it sounds like, Zag in the comics. These these like major properties have a tendency um, and an eager habit of like announcing this great thing that they're doing. I have to admit that the the MMPR 2017 movie did this as well. Announcing this great thing, uh, Disney, Star Wars, Pixar, all guilty of this, um, and then presenting the safest, most erasable yes. version of it. Mm. This doesn't do that. I really appreciate the fact that this isn't just two girls holding hands. It's an entire episode that has to do with Izzy's brother trying to understand her feelings and you can't take that part out of the episode no matter how hard you try right so if it focuses on the fact that she has a crush on somebody or is developing feelings for somebody you can't erase a whole episode without just not airing it so that I really respect I love the fact that the the girl she has a crush on is someone we've seen before and yeah. and they led up to this because it means there are now two queer women of color featured on multiple episodes of this TV show. That's really significant. Fern's not a a one-off written off character that we're never going to see again. And in one of the scenes, she blatantly says to Javi, I date girls. Yeah. You'd have to blatantly just translate that wrong, which, Hey, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the big companies do all the time, but Mm -hmm. um, it does not, it doesn't seem like that's what we're going to end up with here. Yeah. I'd have to like echo everything that Doug just said. It's so nice that it's so integrated into just the foundation of the episode. I want to say it's something they didn't need to do as well as they did, but they did. So it's clear that they care about the subject and they wanted to do it right. Gosh, I don't know. Maybe we should have had a whole episode where it was just me having a moment. <laughs> we can absolutely do that when we're reviewing this next batch of episodes yeah. i was also gonna say it's like when doug was mentioning just how it tends to be like the bare minimum in all these properties are hyping themselves up for representation and and then it's like literally like the barest minimum and like sometimes not even that you can't ignore this mm-hmm. like he said it's such a big deal Sorry, my mind is like all over the place right now because it because it is such a big deal. But it's kind yeah. it's kind of hard to calm my thoughts down in order to like speak about it. I I really need to write down everything. But I just wanted to say like it's even like a bigger deal beyond being positive, unavoidable representation because usually when you do get representation in a kids show, it's like with one off guest characters 
mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. just there to be like for a very special yes. episode. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. a one-off guest character or it's male characters, mm-hmm. especially in a kids show. Yeah, and a lot of kids shows, and I appreciate what a lot of kids shows have done yeah. because they're still doing the thing. But a lot of what I've seen um, is like so and so has two dads, and but those dads aren't major characters. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a good thing mm-hmm. to represent. It's a good thing to include. But it is a safer option than this. I mean, this team went all in on not just having an episode about a one-time episode guest character that the Rangers learn about, right? This is a main character. Yeah, it's a main female hero character. Who suits up, baby? Like, that's a huge deal. I totally empathize, uh, AP, about, like, thoughts jumbled. Like, I've I've gotten emotional over this numerous times, more than I thought I would, but when you think of the scope of this and you think of the audience that this is particularly aimed at um, and the legacy of this show... People have mentioned plenty of times that Power Rangers once was a sort of front runner and 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 sort of milestone setter of inclusion, but I don't think they have been for a very long time. And and you know, AP, you said this is they didn't have to do it this way. I'll fully admit I didn't think they ever were going to exactly. do it. I fully thought this exactly. would never happen in Power Rangers. To be honest, I started getting like little feelings, like maybe they were planning something really nice based off pre-premiere interviews that Simon was doing with like news outlets like comicbook.com mm. and what have you or including the yeah, show like, <laughs> <laughs> they were talking about like just planning to be more inclusive and what have you and I was like what could they possibly mean because I hate to say it but in the world of this show you think inclusion is just like kind of like race and ethnicity you don't think about yeah. anything else with this show because they haven't really yeah. done anything beyond that in 30 years. Yeah. And it has an incredible legacy of doing that. Yes. I mean, what what other superhero property outside of like the X-Men can you say has done this its entire life? You know? Yeah. And I don't even know if X-Men technically did. I don't know the original lineup. <laughs> I know nothing about X-Men except for Wolverine. So <laughs> I know who Wolverine is. I know but. a little bit. The original lineup was mostly cishet white folk but then yeah that stuff all got retconned to be you know modernized yeah and, and power rangers didn't have to retcon that part but yeah but now we're getting more which is great yeah. and yeah i just real quick i just want to say as another cishet white guy voice thrown in the mix like this is awesome for inclusion i love to see it personally and i think that like Eric said this was so naturally done. The kind of win I think that representation needed for Power Rangers, especially. It's good news all around and I'm happy and I'm excited and I love that my friends are being represented the way that they should (laughs) be. When it first happened though, I was legitimately alternating between like pure bliss feelings and then like happy tears for like a good like three hours afterwards. Mm Mm-hmm. It just means so much, and I'm going to save some feelings for maybe, like, a future episode when we don't have, like, when we have, like, more of a um, discussion about, like, the actual content of the episode. But it means so much, even to me now. I can't imagine what it would have done for, like, younger me. For real. And it probably would have been, like, even more impactful for, like, the younger me. Mm -hmm. I can't, I'm not going to expand on that. At the moment, because I could go on and on, but <laughs> but it just just the fact that this happened means so much to so many people, and I can't thank them enough for mm-hmm. doing it with care and doing it like the way that they did. 
Yeah. It's amazing. And honestly, it's kind of like more than I ever would have expected. And I, and I kind of love that. Yeah. You talked about like your sort of shifting, evolving feelings for like the hours following it and probably still even now. Right. (laughs) Um, My initial thought for like, and, and people probably saw this happening in real time on my Twitter it didn't even hit me for like the first 20, 40 minutes or something mm-hmm. because I've been so conditioned by the big companies to toot their own horn and then go ahead, give us nothing, girl. Like I was like, well, that's not real, though. It's just more subtext. It's just it's the same thing we've always yeah. gotten. I hate that that was my reaction, but my reaction was like, it's not going to be as good as as we need it to be. And, and it then, really is. It really is. And then I saw the clips <laughs> and I. I saw the clips in French and I was like, oh, that's like really nice. And then I saw the clips in Mm -hmm. English and I'm like, oh, it's even better. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. It really is. And it's it's huge and it's such a big deal. And uh, it's like I'm I'm (laughs) telling you. And it's like it's even better, though, because she was already like such a cool character. Mm -hmm. She was already like my favorite character and so many other people's favorite character. And it's just like. Like, could you make the character more, like, cool and, like, like, I'm not, like seriously? And they said, hold our smoothie. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk about this forever, but I know that we have other stuff to talk about. So there's only one more thing I want to mention. This is such a huge thing. We should celebrate it now. We should celebrate it into the future. We should celebrate it until we're exhausted because we don't need to celebrate it anymore. I do want to say that this is still just like one major step towards a lot of representation Mm. that Power Rangers can and has not yet done. And I think especially in the conversation with Izzy and who Izzy's character is, I just want to highlight the fact that like there are still many people who fall under the sort of like queer alphabet soup um, who still probably don't see themselves in Izzy. Um, And we can still celebrate Izzy, but just because like LGBT is constantly like an umbrella term for queerness in general, I'm so excited to celebrate this and then also at the same time now shift my focus towards like convincing people that we could see trans or gender fluid or non-binary rangers in a kid's show too. Like that's also possible. And I'm so excited that like now I can focus on that because we've got this victory also. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's it's really encouraging. And I also just don't want to, like, leave some of my queer fam behind. <laughs> I have to completely agree with that. And correct me if I'm, like, misunderstanding what you're saying. But it's mm-hmm. almost like they've done this, and now I finally believe that they can do more. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It gives me hope for the future of, like, further representation. It's exactly that, and it's just a a reminder. This is, like, a big thing just, like, in the queer community in general. And, like, as a white gay man, I feel like it's my responsibility to speak up where so many other white gay men fail. And that is to say... Just because we're celebrating a victory relevant to us doesn't mean we should forget our trans family behind because mm-hmm. they're still not represented yet officially, right? So, like, mm-hmm. we should celebrate our victory and we should love that victory and know that that victory is now also just that much more possible for our, our trans family and anybody else under that umbrella. Yeah, I mean, if we keep some of the same, I guess, some of the same people behind the scenes in some form and just keep some quality people on staff for whatever may come because we still don't know the future of the franchise. Just mm-hmm. as long as we still have people who clearly care behind the scenes, I have faith that they can do so much more just based on how they handle this first step. Absolutely. And I have faith that they'll do it in just the best way, yes. most wholesome way possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm pumped. 
for the now and the future. I do want to address some things that uh, Simon Bennett said on this issue in terms of some of the criticism that this got, which is it's bull ridiculous. I'm sorry, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's complete bull. <laughs> You're gonna have to bleep me, but it is bull. <laughs> <laughs> Someone called this a you know this shouldn't be some marketing ploy i hate hasbro homosexuals deserve better and he's like simon bennett said i assure you it was no marketing ploy and yes it's overdue and then he said because someone's like oh literally everything in the show is a marketing ploy and he's like maybe but in this this particular initiative came from the writers because they genuinely care about inclusiveness in response to ap because AP was like, yeah, thanks, you know, to Simon and Becca Barnes and Alwyn, Tessa, everyone else in development. He said, also staff writers, uh, Maia Thompson and Guy Langford, as well as support from Chip Lynn and everyone at Hasbro. Heck yeah. From the top down, this was something that they wanted to include. And when someone questioned about, you know, Chip Lynn's involvement, he said, Chip was involved as a creative consultant for the show on the writing process. So from top down, Hasbro is okay with it. Everyone's okay with it. This isn't some marketing ploy. And it goes to show that it's not a marketing ploy because they haven't, they've never put out like a press release. They haven't said like, oh yeah, episode 13, watch it because of gay. Yeah. And like, they haven't done that. <laughs> yeah. No, but so many companies do. Know, and that's like, what was Doug points earlier. This is not corporate America during pride month. Okay. This is actual real genuine caring about the queer community. I hate to say it. That's basically what the power Rangers movie did. They took so much, not that, yep. not that Trini's scene wasn't like impactful in any way. But totally. looking back, and even just back then, it was still bare minimum, and they took so much credit for that. Sure. It was yeah. kind of ridiculous. I mean, it falls exactly in line with, like, the two women in Star Wars that maybe kiss, and the two women uh, in Finding Nemo that push a cart or, like, a stroller together. Like, it's that's all it is. Or, like, that, you know. like the director of Avengers in that one scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, and God. And that still pisses me Must off. Must we? Excuse my language. Yeah. But it's like, oh, it's like, oh my God, we got representation in this movie. And then you watch it and it's like the director saying like one line in one scene. And yeah. it's like, oh, hell no. But yeah. And before yeah. anyone's like, hey, take what you can get. Like we've been doing that for decades. Like you, you we're, we're, we're ready right. to be like seen and, and spoken. Exactly. To. This I, isn't performative. <laughs> this is genuine. And I feel like yeah. the people yeah. are not, not all of the people who say that, but most of the people who say, oh, you should be grateful for what you get are the people who have never really had to fight for like representation Mm -hmm. or never had to look for representation very hard. Look, I'm just like Zach. I'm a cishet white guy. Like I've seen so much representation of me. We are the vanilla of the world. We have seen ourselves in everything. Yeah. But I can empathize with my friends, with family members that are part of the community, a, a part of LGBT community. I've got friends, I've got family and I want them to feel happy and that they're included and that we're at the end of the day, we're the human race, like all of us. It takes all of us to make this whole world work. And it makes me happy that, you know, there'll be children growing up who watch Power Rangers and where this is just a normal thing. This They have a whole ranger. And this is what blows my mind. We are only, like, this happened on episode 13 of the series. There's, like, 
30 more episodes <laughs> after <Yeah>. this. <laughs> yep. And there is so much that I think Dino Fury is going to do that we have no idea about. And, you know, they're hitting all these like topics and just everything from the first, you know, 11 episodes that, that we've watched or that I've watched. I have a really good feeling about this season and things like what happened in this episode, the matchmaker with Izzy and it just being handled so naturally and just like it's, it's part of everyday life, which is what it should be. It should be, something that's presented as normal because it is normal and it doesn't have to be a big event. It doesn't have to be like this grand over the top thing. We just want people to be seen how they live their normal lives. And it's just two people who are falling in love with each other. And that's why, like I see some of this criticism and even as a cis, you know, het straight white guy, like it pisses me off to see that type of hate being flung at at any group of people mm-hmm. and it and that's part of the bigger issue of what we'll talk about like with with fan entitlement and stuff but just my statement on is i feel everyone should be allowed to see themselves in entertainment and to be represented because we've said on this show too representation matters and when you feel like you're represented and that you're seen and that you know, a character has a personality trait or is like you or just anything like that. It, it makes you feel like, like you matter and you do matter. You do matter. Everyone matters. And I think, you know, that's, that's part of the first step. And part of it was like, yeah, we've seen Hasbro do like on, on pride day, the more inclusive, like everyone can be a ranger and, you know, they have, I mean, Power Rangers, rainbow colored spandex, like, hello. And there have been queer coded characters and queer coded moments. And there's been fan fiction. And and a lot of the fan fiction is because people want to be seen. Mm-hmm. They they want to make something that makes them part of this universe and, and feel it. So when the show does it officially and in a natural way, like... It's not just them making a post on Gay Pride Month. It's them actually doing the work. And there's still a lot of work to be done, but I feel like this is the first major step for Power Rangers that we've had in a long time, and it is way overdue. And I just want to say real quick, it's kind of something that I like to say sometimes. It's not an original thought by any means, but people tell you that you can be whatever you want to be and you can do whatever you want to do, but you don't really believe it until you see an example of it sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's what makes it even better. I mean, that's what representation is, but it's just such a great example of that representation. Absolutely, because coding and subtext is like saying, yeah, you could be, but only if you're quiet and can hide yourself yeah. when people who don't like you are around. Yeah. This is saying like, no, you don't have to hide it. You could just be it. Period. End of story. Not everybody picks up on the coding and the subtext either. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, I feel like it has to be explained to people. Mm-hmm. That's no way to have representation for anybody. I know we're, we're talking a lot about this, but it's it's important. There were a lot of people who saw and proudly championed the whole Chiley thing in, in Dino Charge, mm-hmm. like Chase and Riley. Even like years later, Michael Tabor's like, well, I played him as gay. And it's like, yeah, you say that, but did you really mean it or did you really think it at the time? And 
now it's not just subtext in Power Rangers. It happened with Izzy. A whole episode was on this and probably probably a few more episodes down the line if, totally. you know, they continue the plot line, which I hope they do. And I'm glad that they have Fern as this like ongoing character because now she showed up at, at least at this point in three episodes and she's probably going to show up in a lot more. So this isn't going away. This will be part of Dino Fury going forward. Mm -hmm. And I think that's amazing. I love it. I'm not in any rush to get to a convention anytime soon. Uh, That's just me. But uh, when conventions are, you know, ready to go and and sort of quote back to normal or whatever, I hope that conventions are ready to give Tessa Rao plenty of space for that that line. And I hope that she's ready and is able to (laughs) rest and bring support (laughs) because She's going to be very tired because the entire queer community is coming out for her. <laughs> She's going to be to me what like John Tui was to Eric at Ranger Stop. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Like the yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she, ooh, I hope, I hope she's okay watching people cry because it's going to be a lot. (laughs) (laughs) She seems down for it. She's, I saw somewhere, I think maybe it was her Instagram story where she said like, this was part of why she was excited to be a part of Mm -hmm. the franchise. So I, she's, I think she's, she knows what she's getting into. She seems like a real like class act type person. I think she's. She, she's cool. I'm and she's now on Twitter. Yes. She is. She <laughs> is. For, for better or worse. <laughs> I mean, for her sanity, not like. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, I, I, I know. <laughs> well, speaking, speaking of, of Twitter. Yeah, speaking of Twitter <laughs> sanity or lack thereof. So, yeah. Wow. We had a, we had a major chunk of our episode for Izzy. And, but that it's important. It's needed. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And then we'll have another whole hour long episode. <laughs> Of course. (laughs) When the episode airs. Kind of related to that because when the spoilers for Izzy came out about her coming out, like there was a whole another toxic part of of the fandom. And I know Simon was was addressing some of that. And that was, I think, the week before this one uh, because of the international spoilers. But it really came to light about fandom entitlement this week. And uh, I believe it was like Power Rangers fun or whatever. They were like, retweet if you want, like a Q Ranger adaptation. And it went nuts. People were tagging Simon Bennett. They were tagging uh, other writers. And for better or worse, Simon did address a couple things on his Twitter in response to some people that set the internet even more ablaze. So when people were talking about adaptations, he commented on uh, Lupin Ranger versus Pato Ranger, which if you follow the Sentai, that's the basically the cops versus robbers uh, type of Sentai. He said, Rangers as cops, problematic in today's climate. Rangers as robbers, problematic as Rangers can't be criminals. And someone replied to him, why can't Power Rangers be quote-unquote thieves? Is it because this is a children's show? Then what about LGBTQ in Power Ranger? Even though this is a spectacle aimed at children, isn't it? And he said this, there is nothing morally or ethically problematic with being LGBTQI+. Hallelujah, Simon. <laughs> Preach I it. Scream, duh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, all the love in the world to Simon. He is out here 
doing his absolute best and dealing with the literal man-children in a way that honestly is far more patient than I could ever be with them. So mm-hmm. I thought he would be done with Twitter after the dino tits guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like I really thought he would be done. He's like, what is that? I, I really thought that he would be done yeah. with the fandom after that. Mm-hmm. Then he said, because then people were like, Oh, well, what about Q Ranger? And you could do this and you could do that. And he says on Q Ranger, too many rangers in Q Ranger. With that many rangers, it's nearly impossible to tell character stories of any depth across a season. Now, on Ranger Command, we had a whole discussion about the unadapted Sentai seasons, and it was a fun discussion, and we were playing around with the ideas. But look, we're not writers for television. We're not total experts on that. We are just knowledgeable fans. And it's fun to speculate about seasons, but telling the executive producer of a television show who has earned that title and has worked for 20 plus years in television production to think that you have any kind of say in influencing anything as part of his decision And he even said, it's not just his decision. You have to consider the toy side of it. Hasbro side, E1. There are so many people involved in making the decision for whether it's adaptation or story elements in a show. There are so many hoops that have to go through just to produce a season of television like this. Mm -hmm. People hear showrunner and they think that that person makes literally all of the decisions and that could not be like further from the truth. Exactly. In a span of three hours, I saw, okay, because full disclosure, I actually have a tab on TweetDeck that just (laughs) is like his screen name and I I really should close it because it (laughs) frustrates the hell out of me. There are people that are tagging him. I think in the span of like two hours, there was one person who asked to be cast in the next season of Power Rangers. There was someone who was like, well, here's my whole story idea. I'm like, they legally can't do that. That needs to be stated so many times. You know, the thing that bothers me the most when people do that, sometimes people do genuinely have like really good ideas. And now that they've mentioned it to people, they they can't can't do do it. it. That needs to really be drilled into people's heads. You cannot pitch them ideas and expect anything out of it. They will not use it. And not only that, if they had already thought of that idea and then you pitch that idea to them. Now they have have to throw it out. Now they have to start from scratch because they can't use their own idea. And that is supremely frustrating. Yeah. And can I highlight something from his quote on Q Ranger that I think fits into that same vein? The fact that he highlights the reason for why Q Ranger would be difficult is that they want to tell character stories of depth. Yeah. That is a thing we should be paying attention to as a massive positive. Do I think Q Ranger can be adapted? Who cares? Doesn't matter. The showrunner of this show wants to be certain and 100% sure that they can tell character stories of depth. Tying that into the the they legally can't use your suggestions, the more you suggest things, the more ideas are off the table. Mm-hmm. And that that limits what they're able to do. That limits probable character stories of depth, like you guys were saying. So you might see a suggestion that's really good, 
Zach, you said you can't expect anything to happen. Well, you can expect it to go immediately into the trash. Yeah. Like, you expect it to go immediately in the trash. And then, like I said, it's it's even if they had come up with that idea themselves, now yeah. they're out of that idea yeah. and have to You're come up You're hindering creators who want to tell stories of quality. Exactly. These, If you are anybody who's ever criticized or even just thought, wow, I really wish Power Rangers could sort of like – deepen this storyline up a little bit because I really like it. I'd love to see a little bit mm-hmm. more. You've got a creator who wants to do it. So stop stop limiting them. And, <laughs> yeah. and I mean, if you want things done a certain way, that's kind of what fan fiction's for. Yes. Yep. Start yep. doing that. Or yep. participate yeah, exactly in some right. fan fiction plot bunny circles where you give fan fiction writers your ideas and they can adopt them into fan fiction that is they're then not shared with the creative team because it can't be. Yes. But at least you get to see your ideas out there without completely ruining the possibility of it ever happening. Exactly. And with, with fanfic, it's contained on like people's blogs or fanfiction.net or in a community. And writers already know to avoid those places. So there is no legal trouble because they can say, well, I never saw it here because I never went there as part of my job. Exactly right. Like I cannot go there. But if you're doing it publicly on Twitter, congrats, you just played yourself and the fandom because yeah, those ideas are in the garbage. And Simon literally said this, I'm afraid I can't talk about this stuff or listen to fan suggestions for story ideas. Simply can't for legal reasons. Please get it in your head to the Power Rangers fandom. And I know a lot of our listeners are like normal people, or at least I hope they are. So it, it doesn't feel like we're preaching to anyone, but please, please, please keep those ideas to yourself. So eventually this led to him like two days later after that whole Twitter storm quote, I am stepping back from answering questions about power Rangers for now. I have a lot of work to do, and this is proving to be too much of a distraction. And another thing he said, someone said, if Pukina need to make better PR Sentai adaptations for Juoger, Q Ranger, Kier Major, Zenkaiger. He might need help from Jonah Ent, who Jonathan Entwistle, and past PR writers and directors if possible, and also Haim Saban, which I'm not even going to dive into that Dear nonsense. Lord. But but he responded to them. I have every confidence in the passionate, committed, and very smart writing team I am currently working with and he said thanks dino fury should speak for itself and it, it does. does and when you're saying stuff like that when you're like oh yeah they should just get better writers and directors you are directly insulting the current creative team and it makes you look like a complete i didn't see this <laughs> until just now in the show notes and i immediately want to go find that person and block them on principle because the audacity of this and it kind of yep. it kind of goes to what Melissa Flores said. Well, wait, before that, this literally I when we were recording just now, I literally I literally looked mm-hmm. on oh, why would one you, of the replies. Why would you do that? <laughs> Uh, never read the comment section uh, i know i know but but someone literally told him they tweeted at simon saying you ungrateful evil idiot how could you be dared to said that none previous super sentai series could be adapted and i just said just please shut the up like in in a quote tweet like i'm tired of it and look he never said that they couldn't be adapted. He just said nearly impossible. There are many ways that they could ad- adapt things. And maybe they don't even want to give 
the hint that they are adapting those because obviously they are under contract. They are yeah. under NDAs. They are under tight deadlines and they're finishing producing Dino Fury. They have a ton of footage to edit and they're probably in the process of pre-producing the next project if if Power Rangers continues the, the children's show. So we don't know and we're not meant to know. And also people need to quit putting Super Sentai on a pedestal. I'm not saying you are not allowed to like it and hold it in high regard in your own life, but like quit comparing it to Power Rangers and expecting them to just be like, they're two separate properties. Yeah, and they're they're made in entirely different ways, which yeah. is a thing that I think people forget when they make these types of comments. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like like you referenced your episode. It's fun to speculate with your friends and it's fun to try to solve the puzzle in quotes, right? But the way that Super Sentai is made and the way that Power Rangers is made fundamentally different. You can see it on screen. Like it's it's all right there. Right. You you can see what is different uh and challenging about it. Um, and to presume that you can figure it out better than these people who actually are hired to do so, uh, step back a little bit. Yeah. Just demanding that your favorite Sentai is adapted or demanding that it be as good as your favorite Sentai. It's like, well, then just go watch Sentai because it's still there. You do not need another show to be Sentai. You're not owed it, you know, like if it happens, great, but you're not owed it. Yeah. Yeah, that's part of the entitlement is people thinking that they're owed like a Power Rangers adaptation. And this is the thing that I say, like, why are so many of these people demanding that Super Sentai be adapted into Power Rangers when all they're going to say in the future anyway, if it is adapted? Oh, well, this isn't as good as the Sentai. That's the conundrum to me. They want it to be adapted. But then if it is they're never satisfied. Yep. That's my whole thing with the way that people react to adaptations. <laughs> that's like, yeah. Oh, that's a whole nother it's like super highlighted yeah. in, in power Rangers because it's part of the fundamental DNA of it. But the way that people view adaptations in general, I think is, uh, calm down. Everyone <laughs> calm down. Right. Calm your dino tits. <laughs> <laughs> that is going on the RCPH preview tweet. Yeah. <laughs> So there were a couple of people coming to Simon's defense that had previously worked on Power Rangers, such as Melissa Flores, who previously worked for Saban Brands under Haim Saban and then moved to Hasbro before she was let go. Melissa said, I'm going to be real for a sec. There is no point in tweeting showrunners and execs ideas on what you think they should do. Legally, they couldn't use them even if they wanted to. And I promise there is so much more going on behind the scenes that factors in that you aren't privy to. Ding, 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 ding. Bingo. And then Jason Bischoff in a a tweet that was deleted because he did the, this tweet will (laughs) self-destruct. He said, hi guys, please do better. Simon deserves far more kindness, courtesy, and respect. He's a wonderful, creative, patient, and generous human doing everything he can. I loved my time on PR, but it's come and gone. Life goes on. And the reason Jason said that is because like someone was also like, oh, well, just bring back Jason. He had so many good ideas and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, they like he was let go for a reason for from Hasbro. And like Jason said, he's moved on. 
So he has now circled back to becoming a fan, just like the rest of us. Yeah, if you're trying to hurt two people in one go, you probably succeeded just there. Yeah, exactly. And then finally, this even circled back to the comics in the same week. It's been a week, y'all. It's been a week. Someone like started giving ideas to, to Ryan Parrott in a tweet. And uh, Toku Chris responded to that person saying, submitting comic ideas guarantees legally they will never be used. Please don't message creators your ideas. While good intention, it puts them in a bad spot. And Ryan quote tweeted saying this, please don't. It's a legal thing. Nothing personal. And Ryan Parrott will just straight up block people who submit him ideas because he he can't. That's a good idea. Yeah. He should do that. There's this weird parasocial relationship that fans of okay. properties yep. think that they're owed. Wait, wait, wait. This is a term that I've heard come up, not yeah. only in this comment, yeah. parasocial. And I think before this week, I've never really like heard that sure. term before. So can someone give me like a summary of like the parasocial? So parasocial is like a portmanteau of parasitic and social. And it's... Oh, you are latched on to a property, uh, a creator, a celebrity, and you follow their social and you're so invested with their life that you think that you're owed input to what they're doing. Um, that's interesting. I haven't heard that sort of. I don't, uh, I don't know if like, that's true or not, but I think I just made it. No, no, no. But it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. I think two things can be true because. Um, I think that is, that's sort of the, what we see, right? Like the exhibited behavior. Yeah. It's kind of like the evolution of a Stan to a degree, except in the mm. other direction. Yeah. Parasocial, I think also can mean a like semi-social or like partially social. So like if you're a paraprofessional, it mm-hmm. typically means, uh, that you are. Oh, like of, a paralegal. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, and so it's like you have a social relationship with a content creator, but that is not the same thing as having a social relationship with somebody on an equal playing field, right? Right. right. <laughs> like where you have become friends either in person or uh, like online in a in a setting that has no sort of filter or guards. Content creators, creators in general, like look, they're not your friends. No. Most of them are mm-hmm. not your friends. They mm-hmm. might become friends, but that's not up to you. You know, like I've had the pleasure of talking with Ryan Parrott multiple times over the course of, you know, the past couple of years on this podcast, but I will never take our relationship to the level about, Hey, Ryan, nudge, nudge. I've got this great idea for a pitch, blah, 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 because I respect him far too much. And I'm not going to presume to tell him how to do his job. Exactly, And that is where that comes in. Um, And the reason that's been kind of hitting a major uh, point is something similar happened with the Critical Role fandom this past week, where they were forced to start enforcing their IP a bit more, because let's Mm. not forget Critical Role is not just a bunch of nerdy voice actors playing D&D. They are a company. They make products that they sell. I mean, I've seen Critical Role pops. Like, if you have a pop, you're a major brand. (laughs) And they came down hard with their IP protection this week against companies that were using their catchphrases, their characters, their terminology that were supposedly fan-run companies that were making money off of their IP. And the fandom... Mm had a freak out. They're like, well, we thought you were, you know, uh, just voice actors playing D&D. Like, we thought that you were, like, cool. We didn't realize that this was going to be a business thing. Like, of course it's a business thing. You are not friends with content creators. You are not friends with celebrities. You are not friends with 
uh, producers, directors, anything like that. Unless you can personally call up that person and talk to them anytime you want to. Like, if you had... And they're cool with it. Right, exactly. And they're cool <laughs> with it. Like, like, if you were willingly friends with uh, Matthew Mercer for years and years, and, like, you knew him and could call him up anytime and be like, hey, Matt, how's it going? How's how's the wife? How's the dog? Unless you can do that, you are not friends with that person. I hate to break it to you. You need to get yeah. over that delusion right now. If y'all don't mind, I'm going to read basically a definition of parasocial... Oh, you have the actual definition? Please, Please someone's do. coming in with research. Yes. So, <laughs> sorry, I've been like Googling while you guys have been talking. Um, no, go for it. So basically, like, it can also be referred to as like parasocial interaction. And it refers to like a psychological relationship experienced by like consumers of mass media, mm. especially on like television, where viewers or like viewers consider media personalities their friends despite having no or limited interactions with them and it's almost like an illusion of like an experience where you think your relationship is like reciprocal like sometimes mm-hmm. they might mm. be they might say oh yeah like happy birthday to you on twitter and then you think like your best friends so like when you buy a cameo from a certain actress every year for your birthday and think they're your friend when really you're just being creepy basically <laughs> pretty much <laughs> a lot of what I'm finding actually uses John Mulaney as an example. That was the big example this past like month. Yeah. And even like before that, apparently his fan base is incredibly parasocial because they feel like they're friends with him because he seems like such a like nice guy. People think he's their friend and they've never spoken to him before. Uh. Well, and this isn't a new thing or a new idea. It's just that the access to people is different than it used to be, right? So are there people who thought they were friends with John Lennon? Probably. But they couldn't tweet at John Lennon. They couldn't whatever. Well, that's a terrible example because he had like a legitimate stalker. It was first coined in 1956 is when it was first coined, the parasocial Mm. relationship. Definition by social scientists Donald Horton and R. Richard Wall. Dang, AP coming with the actual citations there. Nice. It was um, (laughs) apparently that was right around when TV started becoming more mainstream. AP mentioned like, oh yeah, a celebrity wishing you happy birthday. Look, the guy who played the Red Jew Ranger Mochizuki-san. Yeah. Like every year he tweets me happy birthday eric and like a series of gifts or whatever but mm-hmm. on no means am i under the delusion that he is my friend right. that i can like talk to about in-depth yeah. stuff it's just a nice hey i'm i'm friends with this celebrity on facebook he gets notified of my birthday and he's just a cool dude like right. i accept it at that level because <laughs> i i know that there are boundaries exactly mm-hmm. and that's the word of the day boundaries you need to learn that just because you have had this sort of mental interaction or maybe you've had the off chance of an actual interaction in person at an event like that does not make you qualified to call that person your friend i have met kelson henderson a couple of times i've talked to him a fair bit we talk sometimes on twitter but i wouldn't consider him a friend unless he said that was the case i consider him a, a an acquaintance that I happen to know, but I'm not 
you know, I'm not like super invested in like, oh man, when's he coming to America next? I want to hang out with him again. I want like, like if I see him again at a show, cool, great, awesome. I'll go up and say, hey man, how's it been? But like, I am not his friend unless he dictates that that is the case. Yeah. And I just, I also want to have like another mention. Um, I don't mean to cut anybody off, but I want to just say that parasocial relationships are not the same as people who stalk people. So yeah, that's something. Yeah, that's why different. I kind of like jumped right. in on my own example of John. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, like this yeah. article I'm reading like, actually oh, oh. uses that as an example. It says like news anchor stalkers, John Lennon's murderer, and like Madonna's stalker were not in parasocial relationships. They had like right. untreated health conditions that caused yeah yeah violent behavior. Right. So right. But just yeah. kind of wrapping up my point is is like you don't get to dictate who decides to be your friend. Mm-hmm. That is the other person's decision, a hundred percent of the time. I don't care if you think that they're your friend just because you saw them a couple of times. Like no, that is their decision, not yours. It's an agreement. And that goes for like content creators, like people forming like these parasocial relationships with like people that they subscribe to or watch on Twitter or, or not or Twitch or like YouTube exactly. or whatever and think, oh, they're, they're, they're my friend. Friendships like that can, I will say they can happen very rarely. And for an example of that, there is a content creator um, by the name of the Cinema Snob, my buddy Brad, who I met as a fan first and when i met him as a fan it was a completely like hey man love your content you do a funny show i like watching it thank you and like then after that we were in a video of his for for doing our ghostbusters thing because he was he was wanting to make a ghostbusters joke and it was after that that he contacted me again and was like hey man i want you to be in this movie i'm making i like the way you were acting you're like you were a good actor whatever blah 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 and so like that is the weird outlier of like i made friends with someone who yeah. was a content sure. creator but that happens so very 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 rarely that it is not at all a common experience and you should not expect that type of outcome ever well it's an organic process right like technically eric and i I knew Eric because of content right, he true. made, right? And we're friends now. But that was an organic process. I don't think either one of us – well, in this case, it would be me, right, as the as the person consuming someone's right. content or whatever. I wasn't setting out planning on how to become Eric's friend. It just organically happened, exactly. right? So if, if you're in mm-hmm. a circumstance like that and you're, you're planning out what to do next to earn someone's friendship when you were consuming their content first – that's a problem. Yeah. That's not that's not the way to go about it. Absolutely. And w- one thing I w- I wanted to mention is that before Twitter, before social media, uh, especially with entertainment properties, I mean, look, fan mail has existed for, you know, however yeah. long <laughs> ma- mail has happened. It's just a slower response time. Social media is instantaneous, and I think it's that level of access that has like completely corrupted some fans minds of this delusional like thing of like, Oh, well I can just tweet at them whenever. And I really feel bad for Simon a lot of the time because he gets tagged in some ridiculous stuff. And even like people going against the other people that are tagging him, they're still leaving him in the tags. Like I'm sure Simon does not want his notifications of people arguing with each other about all of this stuff. I wouldn't. And I think it was good for him to step back. But the thing that makes me angry about all this is like, look, I am a fan of behind the scenes content. 
I love the process of how this stuff is made. I love pictures of behind the scenes. I love the props and the sets and how everything comes together and how it's all made, especially like Star Trek and, and Power Rangers and all that. You have these executive producers, you have these prop masters, you have these people that have this level of access to the show, and they are giving you such a small peek into that process. And all of this, all of what has happened this week has now thrown that out the window because there's a very good chance from this point on that Simon will not engage with any of this ever oh, again. Yeah. And we lose, we as fans lose that access to behind the scenes information to behind the scenes pictures for power Rangers. At least he has no one has done this level of behind the scenes since God, maybe Doug Sloan on Ranger board or, you know, some of the other stuff uh, of these creators on, on Twitter, but years later, years after the fact, this was the first time that an executive producer with access to social media has engaged fans from the beginning launch of the show and has posted amazing pictures behind the scenes of Instagram. He went on Ranger board and was like, Hey, I'm answering your questions. And here's all this information interviews. We were, I'm so grateful. We got to do an interview with him that I got to speak with him on that. Cause, and I found out, yeah, he's a really great, genuinely nice guy. Generous with his time and and with that level access, just like Jason said earlier. And we took advantage of that as a fandom. Mm -hmm. We took advantage of it. We thought, okay, he's sharing his things behind the scenes. I want to share my ideas. And now, because after this week, that is potentially all gone. Yeah. And there is, like I said, we've got like 30 more episodes of this show to go. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I think we've lost access not even a year into this show premiering really makes me sad and, and angry and it's, it's disappointing. It's frustrating because we were never owed it. Right. And so no, we were never owed it. I, I thought each picture was a gift. Like yeah. every tidbit of information was a gift from this guy. It's whether you're existing in the space where, Hey, this is really cool that we're getting this. This is like, this is special or this is exclusive. Um, or whether you're sitting in the area of like, we deserve this, right? And no mm -hmm. one should be sitting in the area of we deserve this because we don't. Like, I, I hate to break it to you, just because you watch every episode, just because you pour a lot of money into merchandise, just because you're the biggest whatever fan of whatever, you don't, you're not owed anything by these people. It's, mm -hmm. it's hard, it's hard to face that sometimes, but you're not. You're not. And so if you're if if you if you find yourself thinking, well, we deserve more access or we deserve more of that or one thing, especially we deserve this because someone else did this for us. It doesn't work that way. Right. Yeah. Right. And we don't know the, the future of Power Rangers after Dino Fury as much as people want to speculate on that. But, you know, whether it's Jonathan Entwistle's projects or, you know, if Simon gets to do another adaptation, a couple of seasons of Power Rangers, or he might not be involved. There might be another executive producer after him. And we don't know. And that person, we can't put the same expectations that people have put on Simon onto anyone else in this franchise. Mm -hmm. Because... We can't, we, we don't know these people and we're not owed it. Yeah. 
all the stuff like the behind the scenes of, of the Morphin Masters and, and how a television show is made and Dino Henge and like, oh, here's the production designer and she did all these amazing things. Like we're not owed any of it. And even requesting something is, I think, pushing a line. Yeah, it's dicey at the very least, and it's over the line at the worst. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you just need to stop the entitlement. And I think a couple of examples of of this stuff, not only just happening in our fandom, but other fandoms. And what? I mean, I'm just singling out Power Rangers because we're a Power Rangers podcast. Yeah, well, it's a conversation happening right now in Power Rangers, which I do think means it needs to happen. Yeah. Uh, It's just currently relevant right here in our own home. (laughs) Exactly. But this isn't unique to our fandom. I mean, just look at everything that happened regarding the the Snyder cut or, you know, regarding Star Wars and and The Last Jedi and everything with like Ryan Johnson. (laughs) Or just Star Wars. (laughs) Or just Star Wars in general. Yeah. Uh, Or even like tangentially to our Power Rangers fandom, like the Kamen Rider Super Sentai, the guy, the people that were like tagging the producer. And we even talked about this on, yeah. on our show, like the whole thing about, Oh, you know, we, we deserve this in America and our subtitles and blah, blah, blah. And we now lost access. And that's another example of what we talked about a couple months ago of the fandom playing itself again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And congrats. Now we don't have any subtitled stuff unless you go through some back channel, whatever. But it's another example of the fans ruining it for other fans. And you think I enjoy talking about this stuff? You think I enjoy talking about like how awful fandom can be? I don't. But it, it needs to be talked about because I just want people to realize how wrong it is. Well, here's the thing. It comes from it comes from an excitement, right? And that's that's sure. good. Have the excitement, that's valid, right? Be excited. It's okay to to want more of something you enjoy, but how you channel that excitement, where you put that. AP gave some examples earlier about fanfic or friend groups or things right. like that. Where you put that excitement is is what we're addressing. Mm-hmm. Be excited. Be hype. Have favorites. Appreciate the heck out of these people and the product but put it in the right places and approach it in the correct ways. Yeah. I love some of these characters on this show, but I'm not about to go tweeting at the actors all day, pretending like they're my best buds and they owe me something because they portray my favorite character on the screen and what have you. I mean, my all-time favorite Ranger actor follows me on Twitter, and I don't think I've ever tweeted her once. So... <laughs> 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 boundaries. It's like... <laughs> Just because you can yeah. doesn't mean you should. Bingo. Uh, yeah. Wow, what a, what a simple lesson. I mean, I also don't really have anything to say to her, but... I mean, that alone is a healthy thing to recognize. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's important because, yes, if we're, if we're fortunate enough... Like, look, Anson Mount, who played Captain Pike on Discovery and is now getting his own series, he followed me for a bit, and then he stopped following me. But not once was I like... Oh my God, why Why did he stop following me? What have I done? Oh my God. It wasn't like that. It, it wasn't like I was like tweeting at him being like, why did you stop following me? Yeah. Like, <laughs> l- like look, I, I appreciated the time it happened. I thought that was a cool thing. We move on. People have done that to us, Eric. <laughs> like yeah. we, like us as like, I'm sure it's happened to all of us here. Like as like podcast kind of like fandomy people. Yeah. Like we might block people or not follow them and people will be like freaking out. And it's like, I'm nobody. Like, why do you? It's, yeah. Why do you care? Yeah. Oh, trust me. The the whole, 
the whole thing, that's another whole thing we could get into. The people that get mad of being blocked, I, I'm sorry, but if, if you're going to be a trash person, then you're getting the block because I don't want to listen to that. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to engage in that. And that's a boundary thing, especially the people who get like a sense of pride from being blocked. Like, congrats, you got the reward for being an absolute jerk. Yay. <laughs> It boggles the mind. It really does. Yeah. Well, that's the parasocial relationship thing, right? Yeah. Like there's, there are so many ways that you can draw a parallel between how we interact with people online and how we interact with them in person. A blocking is somebody saying outright to you, I don't want to interact with you anymore for whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in person, if you then continue to pursue that, most people would consider that problematic, right? Or, or harassment. Or worse. Um, right. So to do it online should not be any different, right? Someone sent you a clear message. It's time to back off. It's time to move on. It's happened to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I've been blocked. <laughs> I don't even know why, you know, and you just are like, all right, well, that person doesn't want to interact with me. And if they don't want to interact with me, guess what? I don't want to interact with them. It's great. It's yeah. healthy. Yeah. <laughs> don't let them live rent free in your mind. That's the big thing. It's like they took the time to make a clear message of, Sorry, I don't want to interact with you ever. That's their choice. Respect their choice. Move on. Move on with your life. Because anyone that has blocked you or do you really want them as a friend in the future? Probably not. Right. It's allowed to hurt, but like you got to keep going. You got to move on. (laughs) Exactly. So how can we address this problem? How can we engage with media and, and creators in, in a helpful way? And, you know, I think what AP suggested, especially if you have all these story ideas, you know, find a group, find a community, whether it's a forum or a board or an email chain or however the kids are doing this these days, discord or <laughs> Tumblr or, or whatever. Telepathic mind messages. Yeah. Oh my God. That's happening now. <laughs> I don't know. I assume. Right. <laughs> Engage with other fans and show your level of creativity. Find a group of friends. Find a community that you can latch on to. That reminds me of like, I don't even know if people still do this. I think maybe they do it on Twitter now. But back in the day when I was starting to get into fandoms, we had these like message boards where you could like role play as characters. It was like mm-hmm. living fan fiction. And I think the, yeah. I think yep. the kids nowadays do that same thing on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they do. These kids role playing. <laughs> I've done email chain role play. I've I've done that uh, for Star Trek for a number of years. I had my own Star Trek role play character. It was through message boards. It was through email. I know people do that on Twitter, but for me, it's a little weird on Twitter, like because people act like those characters, and you don't know who's playing that person and it's just weird i'll be 100 percent real i like soft block and any of those people who like either follow me or the podcast because it's like i don't know who you are behind the scenes and there's been several people that like they say they're a role play account and then you just see some of the most nasty vile like racism and other disturbing stuff and it's like wow you are really disrespecting the character that you're quote-unquote role-playing and that's a boundary and a line like i mean if you're a power rangers role player and you're like doing your own thing great but just recognize and that that goes for anything recognize that some people may not be into the same stuff as you are and if they don't want to see that content 
then they're either blocking or muting or like limiting that interaction because they don't want to see that interaction and just don't get up in arms about it. Like you can enjoy your own thing to your own degree, but that doesn't mean everyone's going to enjoy seeing it. And that's also something that people have to realize. There's nothing inherently wrong with any of that. Right. But like, no. and this is a family podcast. So I'll put this a particular way. Role-playing in any circumstance, regardless, requires everybody to be in on it and have rules and say, yeah, we're into it. <laughs> you can't bring exactly. people in forcefully. Yeah. Uh, yep. You know, it's it's got to be healthy. <laughs> so, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry, I'm having flashbacks right now to the MuggleNet interactive message boards. And uh, I don't know if that rings any bells for anyone else. That was like... Mm-mm. That was my outlet back in the day. There are healthy ways to get involved without being like going overboard with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just have your group, have your, have your channel, make sure everybody's chill. Like you need, you need an outlet, right? We've talked about it plenty of times, right? You need a place to put that excitement and that energy and that sort of like devotion to the thing you like, but you know, (laughs) just keep it chill. (laughs) This whole podcast, this is my outlet. This is Zach AP and Mai's outlet to talk about the thing that we love, whether it's podcasting or fan art or fan fiction, or just being active on the Ranger nation, like Twitter sphere or whatever it is, channel your energy in a healthy way, maybe even in a creative way. If you are a designer or if you are a a fan artist, or if you're a fan fiction, or if you just collect the things, or even if you don't do any of that and you want to be in your own little bubble, then do whatever makes you happy. But realize that there are interactions on social media that once you start engaging creators in, in an unhealthy way, it's crossing a line and it leads to what happened this week, which is now we have an executive producer who's not going to engage as much. We're not going to get, you know, that level of access that he was giving us for free. He didn't have to, but he did. But now it's gone. And I think we all need to be a little kinder and a little bit more respectful to the people that are producing and writing and making the things that we love. I'm not saying that they're going to make the right decision 100%. Lord knows we've talked about the writer's room before, but that's coming from a place of of fandom. We're not insulting these people on like a base human level. We may not agree with every writing decision or whatever, but that's on us, not on them. They are paid to do a job and they're doing their job to the best of their ability. And that's why it boggles my mind. Like whenever these people say that, oh, Simon, they're ruining it. Like no one is yes. doing their job, like set to sabotage their own job. I don't understand that mentality. They're ruining Power Rangers. No, they were hired to do a job and they're trying their very best to do it. I got into like a little argument, well, not an argument, but like a little back and forth with a burgundy ranger kind of over that kind of mentality the other day. But it's like, that's an entirely like subjective feeling. Just because something's not right for you doesn't mean it's being done wrong. Right. Oh, that's the whole uh, criticism versus critique conversation I love to have. So if anybody, if anybody hears me say criticism versus critique and wants to 
to know more. I'm always happy to have that conversation in a respectful <laughs> way. I care a lot about it. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, we're, yeah, we're going into the weeds on this a little bit, but I mean, it's all, it's all connected. It's yeah. all connected. Mm-hmm. And look, I know there are people out there. If Power Rangers go animated, they're going to stop watching the show. Bye. That's their choice. That's their thing. If you want to stop engaging with the franchise because of that, great. You do you. But like to voice that to the executive producers or the official accounts or whatever, they don't care. It's not doing what you think it's doing. They are doing a job that they have a strategy that they want to go with that has been decided with people with much higher pay grades than any of us. And if that's the direction that they want to go, great. You don't have to agree with it. And at that point, you can stop engaging with it. Feel free to move on to something that brings joy in your life. But I just, I hate this like continuous torture that people seem to be having. Like they torture themselves with it. If you don't like something, just disengage with it. Look, when Super Ninja Steel happened, I pretty much like stopped watching the show. And then I engaged in other things like the comics, like Hyperforce, things that were stimulating my passion for a different part of the franchise. We reviewed maybe like the first episode, first two episodes of Ninja Steel, and then we all basically agreed that we were not going to subject ourselves to that (laughs) because it wasn't enjoyable. (laughs) And I can't say it enough. Like, it's allowed to bum you out. You're allowed to be bummed out, right? I've loved the show for X number of years, and I'm bummed out that the season that's happening right now isn't bringing me joy, isn't bringing me pleasure. But as in any circumstance, you cannot take – your feelings about something and wield them in uh, as a weapon, as weapons against other people, regardless of who they are. Right. Especially the creators. You're allowed to be bummed, but you, you, it can't be a weapon. Here's the example that, you know, I think is relevant now to Dino Fury. Look, Becca and Alwyn are the same people they were as when they were writing for Ninja Steel and Dino Charge. They are the same people and the quality of the season for Dino Fury, subjectively, for me, is better than, you know, Super Ninja Steel or whatever. But they're the same writers. <laughs> yeah. They are the same writers. And look, it's those same writers who gave you the first LGBT Power Ranger on a television show. Mind-blowing. I didn't agree with the Monty and... Victor and Monty don't know how to milk a cow or where milk comes from, but that's a choice that was above them. They were being dictated to write a certain way, whether it was Haim Saban or Saban brands or whatever. And to loop back to the whole, you know, is he being gay is that I'll say it. Chaim Saban for like making the choice to not have that be a thing earlier in this franchise. It took Power Rangers being bought by Hasbro to make this happen. And, you know, Hasbro is more inclusive. That's what they say all the time on, on corporate, whatever Twitter, but like they're making it happen with Power Rangers and it's finally happening. So let's just embrace that change because it's not going away now. The cat is out of the bag. It is happening. And you can accept that or you can get the hell out. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) 
So on our Ranger Nation answers, we asked, why do you think fandoms have exploded with a growing entitlement problem? So on Facebook, Emmanuel Kobion said, sadly, yes, and filled with more hate than love and understanding to each other, seeing this firsthand on an MMPR fan page. Axel DC Gonzalez said social media has been so bad and made this world fall apart. I'll kind of disagree with that. I know social media is a double-edged sword, but without social media, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have met anyone I'm talking to here right now. So yeah, there are, there are, I think more positives than negatives about social media. It's just, we're focusing a little bit on, on the negative side of it. Tumblr is kind of a cesspool right now, but (laughs) if I wasn't on there at the beginning, I would have never met Eric. And then I would have never joined Twitter with this fandom account. Because I had a personal account, but I did not use it for this kind of stuff. And I would have never met anybody. I wouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it's like Eric said. It's a double it's a double edged thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Luke Yanez says, Easy, we pay with money and invested interest into things we enjoy. As an artist, stand by your work, but prepare to face pushback from those we don't enjoy. If it's all for the message, then you don't have a thing to worry about. I'm gonna go ahead and uh say that if you're investing your money and you don't enjoy the thing stop investing your money in it that's your choice like don't be a jerk online and spout stupidity people don't have to listen to your criticism yeah they don't you're not a stockholder (laughs) exactly you are not on the board figure does not make you a stockholder there's a difference between criticism and constructive criticism too and more people need to realize what that is nobody has to listen to your Basically to your complaining just because you don't like something. I've always struggled with the mentality that if you're a public figure, you have to prepare for pushback or criticism or anything like that. Like there are certain professions where that's baked in, but um, this hit me like early on. uh, I don't know when, Mm. but like I remember being in a movie theater and somebody just like throwing their trash on the ground and then being like, why would you do that? And they're like, well, it's somebody's job to pick it up. And I was like, but you still don't have to do that. Yeah. Just because it's somebody's job doesn't mean you have to make it worse, right? Same thing goes here. Just because you support a creator in whatever way, you know, you think matters, you don't have to make their job harder. (laughs) You don't have to do that. That goes back to the whole just showing a little bit more empathy for for people and just not being a jerk. Mm -hmm. I know it's it's such an easy thing to say, but it's harder to do. And and we see that a lot. It it all kind of comes down to nobody owes you anything. Right. I completely disagree with this statement. They don't yeah. have to face pushback for anything. Just stop investing your money. It's like what Zach said. Stop investing your money and don't don't pay yeah. attention to it anymore. If you don't that complain, much. don't feel like you're entitled. Again, entitlement. Just yeah. because, oh, I bought a toy, I am entitled to complain about how the toy is made. No, if you're going to complain about how the toy is made, don't buy the freaking toy. There's a difference. Like if the toy breaks on you or it's broken upon arrival... Sure, you can complain about it, but then go through the official channel of, like, returning it or, like, you don't have to make a whole rant about it. Just fix your issue. It's like the people who go to a restaurant that hate it and then keep going to that restaurant and keep complaining about it. Yep. Nobody's forcing you to go there and spend your money and do these things. Like, you are literally subjecting yourself to basically torture so that you have something to complain about. exactly yeah it's weird it's like the people who also go around telling other people how much they hate starbucks it's like we get it 
You don't. <laughs> it's star sucks. <laughs> like, but just don't go there. <laughs> like, we don't. <laughs> God, I need a pumpkin spice latte now. <laughs> yeah, like, seriously. Look, I, I am a super basic I love this pumpkin spice latte. Uh, I, I will Brown do that sugar, all day. Oat milk, shaken espresso. It's like chef's kiss. It's like <laughs> Actually, that is really good. Well, too. Eric, you said something really important, I think, which is go through the official channels because that channel has been made available to you. As we've talked about, sometimes there is not an official channel because your feedback is not needed, welcome, or right. allowed. Yep. Period. Sorry. If there's an official channel, feel free to use it. If there's not one, Go elsewhere. <laughs> you don't get to dig one out for yourself if there isn't exactly. one. You just have to sit there and accept the fact that yeah. there's nothing you can do with that except for yep. stew on it, and that's all you get to do. Absolutely. So Midwest Tokusatsu said, I honestly think the fans are burnt out on the Neo Saban style of handling the show with little kid gloves that they'll do anything to see it not happen again. I personally haven't said anything on the matter, but the Hasbro era does still seem very Neo Saban-esque. Still not right for the fans to pester Simon, though. That last part, absolutely, but apply it to everything else, I think, because I get that you might be tired of the style or something like that, or you might be tired or worried that it's going to go in a direction you don't like, but it's it's quite literally none of y'all's job like it is the producers to to steer that ship, you know, especially with Power Rangers. We have to remember who the show is made for. And it is not meant for, you know, me, an almost 40-year-old uh, who still watches this show. It, sure, if if I get a little hint of the Morphin Masters or some little lore, that's a bonus for the older fans. But at the end of the day, realize who the show is made for yeah. and adjust yeah. your expectations accordingly. No show has to grow up with you. And someone else has said that. Uh, so Tyler Waldman said, long sigh. I feel like it's been there for years. Go back to the conversation around the Star Wars prequels. I feel like social media tends to attract the loudest and most toxic voices. Again, think of how Daisy Ridley and Kelly Marie Tran were treated. And these trolls and other well-meaning but misguided fans confuse the presence of insert writer, showrunner, actor here on Twitter as an invitation to provide ideas or worse. When it comes to Power Rangers fandom in particular, I think that there's a large swath of the fan base that forgets the show isn't made for them. It's made for kids. And however much I want Q-Ranger or Zooger to be adapted, there are many factors for the production to consider, and some of these decisions are even out of Simon's hands. And then there are people sending the writers death threats over a kid's television show. There's a reason actors starting in the mid-Disney era were told to stay away from Ranger Board. To be honest, I'm amazed that Simon stuck with us as long as he did. Yep. There you go. Pretty much. (laughs) Jordan Horner said, I personally think it's a content problem and a nostalgia problem. There are loads of short stories, fan-made videos slash fanfic, and shows that people think that the canonized content is just purely not good enough. Those fans have gotten picky, and as adults, we are big on nostalgia. We look at things through a lens that what we got as kids was brilliant compared to what we've been getting, that the new stuff just can't compare to the old stuff. I love my Power Rangers and this podcast, but people need to honestly kind of grow up and learn that this is a kid's show, and anything that's pure story or backstory is just for us older fans, and we should be happy that they are at least trying. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. And um, I-, I do like the-, the content versus nostalgia 
argument because if I go back to some of my favorite episodes of MMPR as you know an adult, oh yeah, I can see yeah. how bad this stupid show is, <laughs> and 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 my my rose colored glasses as a kid is what made me a fan of the show because I didn't know better, and you can go back. And, and I've done this with Star Trek, too. Like, I've gone back to series and shows and episodes. Like, it, it hits differently as an adult. You get more messages or you can find something completely new in an episode that you didn't realize when you watched it when you were, like, 12 or whatever. Like, trust me, as a kid, a lot of those Next Generation episodes, the real messages <laughs> flew over my head. But as an adult, when I did the TNG rewatch, I was like, this hits harder when I'm like in my mid thirties. Like I'm actually like, <laughs> I get something completely new out, out of it. And it's the same for, for any franchise that's been around for literally yeah. multiple decades. I, I will say, I don't think Jordan is, I, I, and Jordan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Jordan is, is saying this, but I want to clarify, like, the people who make the short stories, videos, fanfic, stuff like that, like it's not their fault. It's the people who like those things and then think those things need to be applied right. to the official product. Yeah. The people making fan content, they're exactly. directing their energy in a healthy way. Yes. Like things like um, the Unworthy Power Rangers production or, oh shoot, what's what's Ivan's? Um, uh, Jammingers. Jammingers. Like those are healthy outlets because they want to tell a story that they don't think will get to be seen or produced officially. Mm -hmm. If you love those stories, if you love that fan content, awesome. Great. You're helping support those creators. You're, you're showing that the outlet, but if you think that it, that type of storytelling should be applied to the show or it needs to be taken to the next level, it's, it's just a fan project. And those people that make these fan projects are showing some of the purest passion for a franchise by creating something new. They, they like something so much that they are inspired to produce something on their own for whether it's their own creative purposes or whether they want to test their skills. And I think it's a win-win for everyone. And, you know, you can engage with fan content or not, but don't try to, to think that that should be the standard for what's official. Brandon Anderson said, people have taken a misunderstanding of freedom of speech and believe three things that just aren't true. Number one, their opinion matters. Number two, their opinion deserves to be shared. Number three, they can share that opinion however they want, wherever they want, whenever they want, to whoever they want, in any way that they want, with no fear of reprimand. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> David Habib says, I feel that generally speaking in our society, there's a growing entitlement problem. I think it stems from mentalities of, quote, the client is always right, the lack of filter slash decency, and the power trips that comes with the anonymity people have online, the claims to fame that come with controversy on social media, with the new normal we're seeing from our role models and the people around us. I feel these are some factors, but I think it's also a sign of the times and of how progressive slash conservative people are. I feel that as various properties are catching up with the times, showcasing more inclusivity and diversity, conservative types will be offended that the property they loved as it was is growing into something they're not comfortable with. 
in quotes, my PR didn't have a ranger who was part of the LGBTQ plus community. Hasbro is ruining my childhood. They shouldn't be forcing this down my throat. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. My name is Nostalgia Karen, and I want to speak to the manager. End quote. <laughs> that being said, progressive people amazing. Have- <laughs> it's an amazing <laughs> quote. quote. <laughs> that being said, he continues... Uh, the progressive people might have their own frustrations from one season to the next when we don't see the show moving forward with the times. Ultimately, I feel there might be a sense of entitlement to what we want to be presented with, uh, with what we consume. That's where my train of thought stops for the <laughs> for now on the topic, he says. <laughs> some good stuff in there. Yeah, some really good stuff. Uh, Steven Martinez said, definitely social media. I think because some of these fans have, in a sense, made Power Rangers their lives and probably have a small following that this is their chance to be involved with the show. Probably growing up, they were never told no from a parent and now think that the show should be how they want. This pandemic has made it worse with people having more time on their hands, staying online. Maybe somewhere they got a like for something that they posted by someone uh, current or past involved with the show and think, wow, maybe I can be a part of this show. So we are getting more people sharing how they think that they can do better. Give me a writing job. Let me be a ranger, etc. But they don't want to put the work in. They figure since I grew up with the show, the show should only tailor to them as a grown up. The show is going to change and not everything is meant for them. At the end of the day, probably the only way to deal with these fans is to call them out on their behaviors and place boundaries on them or block them because enough is enough. If these fans feel so entitled about a kid show, then it's time they need to reevaluate their life. Look, I'm never going to tell people not to shoot their shot, but understand if you're shooting your shot and you've never played a single game of basketball, you will miss. <laughs> I love that analogy. It's a good one. Adam Ramusowitz said, the modern fan is more connected to the creators of their favorite media than ever before. What we see online nowadays is nothing more than evolved hate mail. The biggest difference is that anybody with an internet connection can see these conversations, whereas previously you could only see them if they were selected by the recipient and then shown in the media you were consuming. It's mostly about engagement. For example, when we try to call out reprehensible behavior, we may actually be emboldening that person. They want the attention. They want to be noticed. Negativity gets publicity. In turn, other people may see that this behavior resulted in attention, and they may then behave in the same entitled manner. Couple the need for engagement with passion, and the result may very well be the vitriol that seems to be commonplace in various fan spaces these days. It is completely fine to be passionate about these properties, but the demands and dehumanizing of the creatives need to stop. This means that one has to realize that the world does not revolve around them. The most vocal portions of any fandom tend to forget the simplest rule. Treat others as you would like to be treated. Take a step back and think, is this really how I want to speak with this person? Everyone will see how I behave. Maybe I need to rephrase or even trash this personal opinion. Tagging production folks constantly and demanding that they listen to your opinion is guaranteed to reflect poorly on you. It's fine to engage with the folks behind your favorite brand, but you need to consider all aspects of a situation before you do so. Most importantly, don't be a rude jerk to them. Simply put, fans need to be polite and considerate. That's not a terribly complicated or tough ask. It feels like it sometimes. Though. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't right. be. It certainly feels that way. 
Um, moving over to Twitter, where at Tyler Bozetsky says other influences. Others see people do it with various things and think that it will that will make things happen. And all of a sudden, everyone knows how to produce a TV show just because they watch Netflix. And if we go back to the Dino Charge days, Tumblr recaps. Oh, can I snap for that? Just because you engage with something doesn't mean you know how to do it. Just because you've watched somebody drive a car doesn't mean you can do it. That's right. Yep. X Daily, Ranger Wiki slash the BL Wiki slash Justice PH at X underscore uh, Picard. Yeah. Uh, says it's social media with everyone making themselves readily available from the fans to the show folks. There's just a heightened sense of being comfortable. A lot of times the fans get way, way too comfortable, something they couldn't do before. The wall just isn't there anymore. Ash at Deoxy360 said, I'm probably really late with my answer. You weren't, but I'll say yes. <laughs> Social media has gone much bigger over the past decade and people want their voices to be heard. So they'll try to reach out to whoever they can to make their voices heard, whether it's calmly or aggressively. Mike Lundstedt at M. Lundstedt said, for sure, it's been around for years. It's just way more visible with social media and anonymity being what it is. The ability to tell a hardworking creator, this app sucks, you are stupid, should have done something better under the username Sentai Purist 123 is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Ranger Chronicles podcast at Ranger Cron Pod said, I think it's always been there, but was more private because all anyone had was phone calls or letters slash email. Now with social media and YouTube, they can communicate directly with the creators and everyone else gets to see it. I do think this is a good point that's come up a couple times that I hadn't really considered, right? Like I I, I knew that this stuff wasn't new, but I do think that's probably why it's being talked about. And I think the best way to to address it is just like anytime something changes, we have to adjust with how to address it. It doesn't mean like what's right and wrong needs to change, but I do think that's an Mm -hmm. interesting context to tackle this in. Anywho. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Lightning Collective Podcast at PRL Collective says, bit of tongue-in-cheek here, but I guess their parents just never said no. I mean, you're probably not wrong. <laughs> J Boaz at J Botography, oh, I like that, at J Botography <laughs> said, I think it's related to the gatekeeping a lot of people, I refuse to call gatekeepers fans, do with their favorite properties. They want things a certain way and only their way is right. Change and people who disagree with them on this are bad. Uh, Deca Blue 25 said social media gaining more and more traction compared to before. Now everyone thinks they have a great idea, but don't know how hard and different behind the scenes are. The fandom needs to understand the boundaries too. Amen to that. It's all about boundaries, people. Mm-hmm. At Jahi Johnson says fans have always been that way when they get in contact with staff. They feel they know better and air their ridiculous grievances with no tact. I wasn't around, but I saw the Ranger Board stuff with Doug Sloan, and it was the same situation during Dino Thunder and Ninja Storm. Jacob Broad at Database Ranger says, In addition to the impacts of social media and the rise of parasocial relationships, I believe the political climate of the last five years has been a factor. Specifically, certain public figures encourage an uncritical embrace of nostalgia and champion the aggressive expression of personal opinion regardless of personal expertise or lack thereof, as the case may be. It's a great comment. Lock L at titanium underscore L said, honestly, I think people are just beyond tired of the pandemic. So they take their anger out online. I understand being tired of it, but harassing executive producers over a kid show is not the way to handle it at all. Ben at Will's Ben said, people 
don't seem to have boundaries on social media. People will spam tweet cast and crew creators, etc. Questions they should know full well they can't answer. If it was real life, it would be harassment. People forget that it's a privilege that the cast and crew will even Q&A with us fans. And I just want to add, it's still harassment, even though it's online. So, yep. <laughs> Alistair McDowell at Alistair McDowell one says, sadly, it's the downside of the greater levels of communication that we have with the cast and crew. Thanks to social media. Fans need to realize they are not in the writer's room, even if they do occasionally talk to the writers online. It's sad because it's the kind of thing that makes the cast and crew not want to interact with fans when they feel like they're being intrusive, overly demanding, or worse, when they actually feel like they might even be threatened by those same fans. Healthy boundaries need to be maintained. Louder for the people in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Brand number 988 at Brando from chat says, very simply, parasocial relationships, entitlement, and comfortability. At Sentai 5 said, it's the access to people behind the shows in which disrespectful fans think that they can talk to them the way they feel like it, and others just want the satisfaction of them responding to whatever they ask. Unfortunately, lines need to be drawn, and people need to understand that. Joshua Aaron Moore at Kentucky Jam said, don't think it's anything new, to be honest, just easier to see because the platforms where the morons congregate are more visible. Facebook and Twitter than they were 15 or so years ago, Ranger Board, etc. So they seem louder. Not exclusive to Power Rangers, see it everywhere. Josh at Vogon Poetry Slam says, Social media has made it so literally anyone can say whatever they want. Before Facebook and Twitter became popular, most of what would have been done via letters to the editor where the publication has complete control over what the public sees. Joel Terrell at Colonel Eternal says it's a mixture of accessibility to the production teams involved and enough media seeming like they do exactly what the fans want after the fans voice their wants so it makes them feel like every fandom knows best. Those kinds of feelings are also reinforced by things fans feel flop like the final season of Game of Thrones or the latest Star Wars trilogy. Having a quote bad ending and production people acknowledging it makes fans feel vindicated to make demands from everything they like. Oh my god. I could get into this with the Star Trek fandom because they're ever since uh, like the new wave of uh, Star Trek series and and properties have been going on. There's like this whole subsection community, which is like so supremely toxic. And um, I just have to laugh whenever they're like, well, Alex Kurtzman will be fired. And they're like, and then they, they announce, oh, well, he's extended, they've extended his contract for another five years. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Cosmic Ranger and Cosmic Ranger 006 said, because of the way fandom has impacted the industry with things like Sonic's redesign or the Snyder cut, it's given the impression that with enough backlash, parentheses support, they can get what they want or influence future decisions. Again, just because one person gave it to you doesn't mean you're owed it the next time. Yes. And I want to go on record as saying, I think that Snyder Cut BS set a very, very bad precedent. Oh, oh, 100%. 100%. At underscore Shatteray22 
said, I think having access to people that are involved with the show slash franchise makes some fans think they could pitch their own stuff and or demand stuff be put in the show. Mikey Perez at 254Mikey43 said, To me, not every fan deserves a response. I love that about Simon. He tried. This is why I stay off Twitter. He has to be more careful with who he responds to. It's easy to fall into the pitfalls of Twitter and the toxicology of fandom. I'm done with it. I partially agree with that. It is sucky that the toxic part of the fandom is the most vocal and that Simon had to be subjected to that. Yeah, the part where I would push back a little bit and challenge people to think about is like it's not Simon's fault that people were no. crossing. Right, boundaries. exactly. And that's no. what I would disagree with on too. Yeah, and look, Simon has the freedom to choose whatever he responds with or whatever, but people shouldn't take that as, oh, he responded to that guy's asinine comment. Like, let me throw in my two (laughs) cents because you're not owed that. And the things that Simon was responding to, like for a lot of these, like what we talked about with like Lupat or uh, Q Ranger was he was like almost putting a stop to that comment. Like, look, full stop. We can't do this because of X. Mm -hmm. Like, that's my reason. And people took that way out of context. Like the amount of Facebook posts I saw. And he never said that they will never do it. It's just, he's giving reasons why it might be difficult now. And yes, we got a whole season of Power Rangers in 2005 with Power Rangers SPD, a literal space cop show. That was 2005, and it was science fiction. The the climate was very, very different at the time. The climate in the past year and a half has completely changed from, God, almost 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm. That's a whole nother thing. (laughs) But look, yes, we got one season of Power Rangers based on police. Beast Morphers was a paramilitary slash organization, whatever. But even that show was being produced in a time where some of this stuff didn't even happen yet. And that may be the last time we get a government organization type show for power Rangers. We don't know. And yeah, that's a whole other thing. I'm just, mm. and none of them asked for any of your suggestions. (laughs) Exactly. Even if he said, we have no idea what we would do with that. He didn't ask you for advice. (laughs) Right. Because you can't use it. And your cool idea is going to get like thrown in the trash can. Anyways. (laughs) Well, at watcher Mark said, I think the growing entitlement problem is sadly indicative of social media. The entitled fans who think they could make a better series and demand to be acknowledged for their quote genius have always lurked. But in this case, they actually had a direct, line to the guy in charge it also hasn't helped that executives have been bending to entitled fandoms releasing the snyder cut the rise of skywalker overwriting what last jedi had set up etc this gives the impression that if you shout loudly enough you will always get what you want which was ironic because there was someone uh who whole 47 tweets were like complete entitlement and was like uh, at mark about the the star wars trilogy and it's like Dude, you, you just proved this point. Yeah. It's when you got to take a step back and look at what you've done. Mm. Yeah. Uh, at Excel Hedge said, personally, I think it's adult fans overly attached to the property and thinking that it should be made to their standards instead of what is needed to capture the intended audience, which is children. Growing up with a property does not necessarily mean that it should grow up with you. 
Poor example, but imagine if adult fans of Sesame Street demanded the show be changed to a realistic take on living in New York. Think Happy Time Murders. <laughs> the show would be unrecognizable and have no appeal to kids, or how some people want Power Slash Rangers to be the standard. It was just a glorified snuff fan film. There's no way to market that mess to kids. Yep. Uh, at Nate Dakota said, people identify themselves by their fandoms. Once the property becomes something they don't want, they feel personally attacked. Their fandom is their religion, and when their religion is attacked, they attack back. This is something that the Toku ladies would talk about all the time. Yeah. Yep. Where it's like, it's, it's, it's cool to see yourself in a property you like. It's totally fine to recognize it's part of your personality, mm -hmm. but somebody critiquing, criticizing, not liking, taking a jab at, even in, in a mean-spirited way, is not an attack on you. It, that yep. You will always, always respond in a non-productive way if you, if you take that as a personal attack on you. Mm -hmm. 100%. That's really good advice. All right, moving over to Instagram, where Relever Queen underscore says, Not enough barriers between behind-the-scenes folk and the fandom. Too much access to certain people makes the fandom feel comfortable to say and do whatever. Andrea Sante says, Everyone thinks their opinion is factually the best, and now with better accessibility to having a platform, social media, they feel more empowered. And honestly, most people don't understand how television is made, so they just talk out of their asses when they give input. Also, shout out to Andre for telling me how to say your name. I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He uh, he does that with a lot of his responses, and and I, I really appreciate that. And finally, tier.archimus.5 said, because we all want things our way, especially entertainment, we've got an idea in our head about how it should be done with no idea if it's feasible or not. Talking about myself here. Uh, laughing, crying, emote. Um, I'm glad that you recognize that, <laughs> but you're communicating it in a healthy way. Like I, I respect that. Listen, that's better self recognition than a vast majority of the fandom has. So yeah. points to you. Yeah, I, I think it highlights something important too in the fact that this person is able to recognize a tendency or desire or behavior mm -hmm. in themselves that they shouldn't act on. Right, and yeah. I think. A lot of these responses are really good and really insightful. I think some of them tread a little closely to generalizing like this is a problem because of these kinds of fans or these kinds of people. I would challenge people to focus on the behaviors right. and not like a group of fans that you can assign it to because I don't think that's I don't think you're ever going to be in the right ballpark. It's like toxic behaviors. It's toxic attitudes. And, and everybody's got some of them. <laughs> Just how you uh, act on them or don't. Yeah. and. Look, there are many kinds of fans. There are many types of people. Um, just as Power Rangers is very diverse uh, and inclusive, we have to remember that there are fans who are also very diverse. And there could be a language barrier, or there could be an educational barrier, or an age barrier. There are multiple types of people in the world and i think we have to remember that there is always someone behind the keyboard but at the same time like if there's just a pattern of toxicity or a pattern of just unhealthy behavior whether we engage or not to like tell them otherwise 
Um, I think that's up to the individual situation. And some people are going to just double down and, you know, continue to be a dick at the end of the day. But, you know, I, I think we just need to realize that, you know, there's many types of people out there and they're not going to share the same views or opinions as you. And I think we can, I think we can challenge each other to do better. And there's plenty of things that frustrated me this week. And that's why I think talking about it in this format, talking about it in the format that I chose to participate in fandom, that's, that's my healthy outlet of this. And, you know, whether people agree with us or don't cool, you do you, but I, I really hope that people have gotten something out of this. Well, Doug, I want to thank you so much <laughs> for coming on today's episode. I think this was a great discussion. So just uh, thank you. So is there anything that you want to plug any of your projects? Because I know you have a lot of oh them boy. going on. <laughs> Where do I start? Um, well, I will say, like, thank you so much for having me. Um, I think I am a testimony to how you can make choices that are healthy for yourself when it mm -hmm. comes to like a fandom you have a particular relationship to. I used to show up in conversations like this more frequently. I used to talk more frequently on, on Twitter and social media about Power Rangers. And I recognized that like what I was getting out of it probably wasn't what I needed from it. Yeah. So I just chose to take a step back. Right. And I think I'm, I'm getting back into it. Right. Like I'm finding more things that I like than I did a little bit ago. And I think you just have to be able to recognize those things. Eric, you, you mentioned my fandom attic. When I'm not getting what I need out of a fandom, I go into my attic, right? And yep. I do something else. <laughs> and I, yep. It's the healthiest way I can think about it. So if you need to make your own little attic and, and hang out up there, you know, do what you got to do. As for projects, <laughs> I would start with Walloping Web Snappers. You can listen to me on Walloping Web Snappers with Derek B. Gale. It is a weekly Spider-Man podcast where we are doing deep dives into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. And boy, howdy, there are a lot of them. Uh, you can also check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. We are rapidly approaching over 100 pieces of uh, additional content over there. hey Which is Snaps. pretty wild, <laughs> uh, considering uh, when I say content, I just mean more podcasts. So um, most of that is available at our lowest tier, which is literally just $1 a month. Um, and I'm trying to get some new equipment. So if you like what we're doing over there and want to poke around and see if maybe something on Patreon is for you, I would love that. Uh, we also do a podcast, me and Derek, called Falling with Style. It is a monthly podcast. It is an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where we are watching every Pixar movie in chronological order because I am a massive Pixar fan. Um, and Derek has not seen uh, maybe like half of them. Uh, so we're going through and we're, we're catching him up. If you like Pokemon, I am on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road. It's a bi-weekly podcast, um, and meaning every other week, not twice a week. Um, and I bring on guests to talk about Pokemon things as they're happening or do sort of fun thought experiments or mashups uh, with Pokemon. For example, I did a Wizarding World of Pokemon uh, episode. We recently talked about the Pokemon Master Journeys episodes that just came out um, and all sorts of things where we just we casually talk about Pokemon uh, in a way that's low pressure and, and doesn't require you to be, you know, a super technical gamer or anything like that. If you like books and video games, you can also check me out on Novel Gaming, which is a podcast I do with my friends Katie and Vicky, where we talk about books. Uh, we do a book club every month and we talk about video games. We do random topics in video games. Uh, you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. And I did mention Survivor at the top of the show. Um, I will be appearing for this current season of Survivor on a podcast just as a panelist. 
this is this is a project I was asked to be a part of, not one that I started. I promise, <laughs> nobody worry for my sanity. Um, but Survivor is back after an entire year of a hiatus, and everyone's oh very God. excited. So I will be returning to a panel uh, podcast called the Spy Shack Podcast. Um, which you can watch live uh, as we record on YouTube, and it is also released after the fact, audio only, uh, wherever you get your podcast. So if that was a lot, and it was, just follow me on Twitter at IckyBooley. <laughs> You'll see it all there. Uh, and and I do sometimes worry about your sanity, yeah. Doug, but I'm <laughs> I'm glad you're staying busy and, and active, and we always appreciate having you on the show and um, yeah, you've, you've been with us for, from the beginning and that's why you're, I mean, it's, it's like no longer, like I have to call you out as a guest co-host. I mean, you're just, <laughs> you, you're here, man. So I, I, I really that. appreciate it. Yeah. That's awesome. And then, uh, AP and Zach, anything that you want to plug Zach? Yeah, sure. I can plug this now that it's actually started up and I'm very excited. Yeah. I am part of a new weekly Live play of D&D that is streamed Monday nights, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube.com. It is called Spellcast Adventures. Uh, We are a group of mostly forever DMs playing with a lovely gal who is a fairly new D&D player. And um, our DM is a DM of 20 plus years. And we just started this past Monday. The story is already crazy. There has been talk of the undead that we don't call the undead. They're called the non-living variety because our socially (laughs) awkward Warforged rogue uh, caused kind of a commotion. And our our tiefling sorcerer and our um, bunny girl uh, wizard bonded over a dress with pockets. And my dragonborn barbarian is just upset that he had his meal interrupted by an explosion. So uh, if you're very Gokaiger, very pretty, yeah, it was a very Gokaiger <laughs> Bowie. You're not wrong. So if you're into D and D at all, if you're curious about D and D at all. Um, please tune in. That's Spellcast Adventures. We're on Twitter at Spellcast Show uh, for more information, including links to the website, links to the YouTube page, where you can actually preemptively go and follow to be notified when we go live on Monday night for session two this coming Monday. Or, well, by the time you hear this, it'll already have aired. So you can watch season session three live. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Brain, it's hard to remember that I'm recording this for the future sometimes. I always think of like, it's oh, this podcast is- time, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's all wonky. AP? Well, I'm not really doing anything except for technically calling out Wolf Entertainment on Twitter repeatedly right now. Legit. If y'all are into that, you're welcome to like and retweet <laughs> my tweets. A- See, AP's doing the, the work of a fan, but in a critical way of the show's producers. Yeah. But in a healthy way. But in a responsible way. I am not yeah. necessarily telling them how to do anything. I'm just calling them out on, like, literal BS. So, I would appreciate support on that. If anybody would like to do that. I'm not asking for harassment of them. It is just a legitimate... Concern. Yes. And it is a known concern, and I am not the first one to bring this up, and I just feel it is important that people recognize it. I also tweet Power Rangers stuff. I am assuming people are into that, because that is what I'm here for right now. <laughs> and uh, you 
can just find me on Twitter at Secret Ranger Fan. And then uh, for for my BS, uh, you can follow at TrekkieB47 on Twitter. Instagram, not so much, but, you know, I'm, I'm around there. And uh, I do stream occasionally for lunchtime gaming, uh, as well as sometimes on the weekends uh, on Twitch over at twitch.tv slash trekkieb47. And also uh, use creator code trekkieb47 in the I Am Shop of Fortnite. Boom. Oh, I forgot. Okay. To, I forgot to show my Twitch. Oh, your, your time's over. No, hey, Bye. Listen, no. Uh, <laughs> competing streams for fights. Actually, I hardly ever stream when Eric streams, and we have yet to co-stream together, but one of these days we'll co-stream. <laughs> we'll get there. Night. We'll get there. But uh, yeah, also I'm on Twitch at HollywoodZach, uh, twitch.tv slash HollywoodZach, and I also have a Fortnite creator code, HollywoodZach. So if uh, you know, you're supporting Eric and you want to support me too, great. Or if you want to make it a, a dueling thing. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, oh no, now I have to buy two skins. Yeah. What am I going to do? <laughs> Exactly. Well, thank you once again, Doug, for for being on the show. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we could all talk as, uh, or or you could talk with the the OGs of Ranger Command. (laughs) Yeah, I miss my friends. Yeah, we we miss you too, man. Um, So, yes, Ranger Nation, let us know what you think in a healthy way. If you have questions, email us (laughs) at rangercommandpowerhour at gmail.com or check us out at rangercommand.com. We're on Twitter at rangercommandph and rangercommandpowerhour on Instagram and Facebook, all one word. So thank you, everyone, for listening uh, this month to the podcast, and we will be back next month with more Ranger Command. So... Uh, Thank you for listening, and have a great week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour, only on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphin Grid at www.rangercommand.com. Follow us on Twitter at RangerCommandPH. Like us on Facebook and Instagram at Ranger Command Power Hour. Ranger Command is also on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more. Thanks for listening.